0: Chat Podcast, bringing the best of the HR and
1: talent communities to you. Welcome to another episode of the HR Chat Show. I'm your host today, Bill Bannum, and in this episode of the HR Chat Podcast, I'll be chatting with Jeremy Shackey, co-founder and CEO at Lighthouse Labs, an organization with a mission to help bring extremely important and hard-to-achieve technical professional skills to people at the level they are seeking them be that upgrading their coding skills for non-technical roles, helping teachers have the ability to bring code into classrooms, and helping professionals change their professions into full-blown developer roles. Listen to this interview to get Jeremy's views on coding bootcamps, the future of technology, and the current coding career space. Prior to this initiative, Jeremy worked in new business development for Sugar Media he holds a bachelor's degree from Concordia University in political science, and he is passionate about educational reform. Jeremy, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Bill. So beyond my wee introduction there, Jeremy. Please introduce yourself a bit more to our listeners. Tell them a bit more about your career background and why you co-founded Lighthouse Labs.
0: Sure. I thought you did an amazing job, um, I guess. Uh, so I'm, I'm originally from Montreal uh don't have any background originally in technology or education um, but spent a lot of time while working in uh, an experiential marketing space considering the way experience affects people um, and at the same time along those lines uh, I was looking at education from a purely interest space. Uh, my parents are both former hippies, the social conscience is well and strong inside me um, and as I kind of stared down education uh, in my early life, just from a peer interest perspective, um, teachers and how to how to find the best teachers, how to help teachers become the greatest teachers felt like a very important initiative in general. And it was something that I talked a lot about because uh, I really feel like teachers are what allows people to become great. Um, I think they are they have the future. Uh, in front of them. And I didn't like that, you know, certificates were just a year and I didn't like that um, degrees, what teachers salaries were lower than doctors or lawyers or things like that. I think education needs to be extremely highly valued for, you know, times like this, actually, I think that's uh, without knowing it, I think this is what we were kind of of looking at. So um, because of all that, uh, I guess, uh, after over time, um, started Getting engaged in certain education conversations. And when the opportunity to build a coding boot camp came up, um, while knowing very little about the tech space, I spent a lot of time researching, looking into it within a short time frame. I was given a month to make a choice on leaving my experiential marketing agency uh, and starting a company out in Vancouver. And I decided to jump with it because it felt like such a fascinating space. And for the past five years, this has been my life and I can't under, I can't undersell that statement. There are two things that are my life and it's, uh, my wife and lighthouse. And that's kind of the two things that matter most for me in the past five years and everything I've been focusing on.
1: And I would hope that you would throw your cockapoo into the equation there as well.
0: <sighs> you know what? He's a, he's a hobby. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> so that's pretty fascinating. You, you just mentioned a second there. You, you had a you had a a, a moment in your life where your career pivoted. You had a month to make this big decision uh, involving staying at your current role or uh, co founding a, a new company out in Vancouver. What did that conversation look like? Where, where, what was your thought process like? Why why make that huge jump?
0: Um, to be honest, actually mimics a lot, what a, what a lot of our students go through, which is why I think I've, I've ended up becoming the CEO of my company, um, is, uh, it, it was at a point when in my career, I was actually doing quite well and I was moving along very well, had nice bosses that, you know, wanted to see me grow, uh, but could kind of project where that job went and didn't really love my, the rest of my life being locked into that specific, uh, context and also feeling like eventually I would become redundant or I'd be, you know, it, the salary would get to a certain level that I'd need and how does that progress? And so originally that was why I'd been looking at startups or building my own company in the first place. Um, and this space particularly offered an opportunity to look at everything from technology, which, you know, for me, I had maybe gone to a couple conferences before just to start getting a sense of it for the most part of was team business development, but learning around all these values that technology was kind of implementing within our society, which actually resonated quite well with me. Um, and then on the other end, it was really an opportunity to establish some different life experience and um, move myself in a career where I potentially had more independence, had uh, p- perspective financial freedom down the road was my own boss uh, and could kind of act like myself. Um, you know, it's one of those things, especially when you're in things like business development, that you potentially are wearing a dress shirt and suit a little bit more. You're potentially having to act a certain way. Nobody told me that being a CEO would be pretty much the same thing in my own company, but, um, it it was the opportunity to kind of gain a little bit more control while trying something out a little different. What is, uh,
1: what is a coding bootcamp and why do companies need to look beyond traditional education programs when hiring?
0: Yeah. So, um, Coding boot camps are, you know, for what people know about them, they're intensive hands-on learning spaces where you are learning from actual professionals um, and the curriculum is mostly based on you actually building things and working on things as opposed to lecture-based. They're short timeframes. They're generally directed to career changers. So people 24 to 32 is our kind of sweet spot of people. Uh, And a boot camp's meant to help people change careers. And in a space where people can't go into four-year Kind of degrees, where there was also this real big need for developers, and then on top of all of that, the salaries are quite nice, and you do have a little bit of independent freedom. Boot camps became this really kind of quick and growing space um, where you could train people in very short time frames and help them get jobs coming out of coming out of the space and boot camps have grown in the past five years tremendously um, lighthouse has been is the leading boot camp in the country in terms of the amount of web graduates it graduate. We graduate more web developers uh, than any school other than Waterloo in the country. Um, And uh, I guess in building these kind of boot camps, you come to understand the need for coding education in a lot of different spaces. So actually, while a boot camp is helping people change those careers in intensive and hands-on formats, now, you know, the question is, what is Lighthouse? I don't know that we're just a boot camp. We take on all kinds of initiatives. We're a very Plug and play model to help different groups get digital learning, especially when it comes to coding. And so, like you mentioned off the bat, we've helped teachers uh, learn how to bring comp sci or co- computational thinking into their schools at the K 12 level. Uh, we have part time courses that are helping professionals just learn some basic code. We do community initiatives where we're focusing very specifically on. Uh, certain groups of underrepresentation and how to even get them to a point where there's an awareness about these kind of career opportunities. And that's been a really interesting model because of the resources of teachers and amazing people that we have to deliver it. And the format of education, which is a little quicker um, and a little bit more practical based.
1: OK, thank you very much. So I, I think so far we've kind of honed in on a younger demographic there in, in terms of uh, the Lighthouse Labs boot camp. Uh, participants largely um what about what about slightly older folk who are perhaps scared for their jobs in the next five to ten years perhaps that they'll, they'll become less relevant uh, perhaps they'll get taken over by uh, different ai technologies do, do you think it's important that everybody should know how to code and what would you say to those people that that, that fear trying to learn those new skills
0: yeah. Um, so first of all, boot camps, we have a lot of people who come in who are older. I just say from a uh, demographic standpoint, 24 to 30, you know, 24 to 35, 32 depends on what you're looking at or is kind of our is where most people come from. But we do have people of all ages come through. And um, overall, in terms of why, if people should learn to code, my answer is you probably not everybody needs to learn to code, but it's probably a good thing to get comfortable with. Um, the comment, like how to become more digitally literate is a conversation in and of itself. And do I believe that everybody in their careers currently needs to become more digitally literate? Yes, I do. I feel like people do like acting from a position of fear. Oh, I can't learn that. I don't know how to do it. So I'm not going to do it. I'm too far in my career. How am I going to learn to do these things is the exact sentiment that gets most people in trouble. Um, and it's the kind of thing that is going to make you make certain decisions within your role and job that actually kind of have some younger people or different people who have these skills be able to show you up pretty quickly. Uh, because I think coding and technology in general is integrating into jobs very fast. So the kind of tools we use, you know, you see stuff like Salesforce for salespeople right now. They all have to use it. Do they need to know code? No, no. Does knowing code help them deal with certain pieces? Yes. And more importantly, does knowing code make them comfortable or knowing how to understand technology make them comfortable enough to use that? Yes, it does. And I think that's a really good example of what's going to be happening in the future is these tools that will scare people who are too afraid of technology to even start learning it.
1: Okay, now let's get a bit a uh, bit blue sky a bit philosophical f- f- philosophical here if, if you don't mind my favorite, uh, as, my favorite. as as a uh, as a fellow former student of uh, politics and 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 history as the politics of yesterday once to say a very clever chap uh let let let's put this into a bit a uh, bit more of a wider context why, why is the skills gap due to automation and digitalization today different than previous large shifts like the Industrial Revolution?
0: Uh, in, in some ways, it just comes down to speed and context. Um, speed, so the speed of things changing and our inability to set rules before they change again. The Industrial Revolution was such a profound change on the economic culture of the world, the, there was still a very separated poor class, middle class, like, you know, it, it, and that's actually a bad example because there's quite a separation now. But the quickness of change right now is affecting people who even if you do learn something or know something within the last 10 years that's made you more relevant in this current economy, it's changing again. Um, And I think the Industrial Revolution had elements of that, but I think the speed in which it's happening right now is quite drastic, uh, and that calls for different types of training. Um, I think also context in the sense that we have the context of the Industrial Revolution. I think before the Industrial Revolution, trying to contextualize that change was very difficult. Right now, we know that out of the Industrial Revolution came a completely different format of working, of unions, of what happens to people's jobs, of unemployment, and so the way governments and companies look at it, and everyone is, they at least have an example to stare down, and that's where colleges came out of. Colleges really came as a second wave out of, man, these industrial revolutions are changing the way jobs are, and we don't have typical university programs to help support some of the skills that we need right now to help unemployed people get jobs. And there was such a drastic stage of unemployment. This one is happening. It's it's more actually just like technology. It is constantly iterative. It is constantly changing. It's constantly evolving. And so the real question is, how do you provide schooling and education that's allowing people to constantly change in their career or constantly adjust and skill up as opposed to before where it was just maybe one major shift? And I think that's a very big difference from what we're looking at right now.
1: Thank you very much. So, if there is, I'm not, I'm not going to assume that there is, but if there is a correlation between age and seniority uh, in in one's career, let let's just delve into that a bit more. What, well, why should companies get involved in upskilling their mid career workers, and why and who should get involved in upskilling mid career employees? Yeah. <laughs>
0: Big questions. <laughs> um, so first of all, uh, I think companies need to be helping mid-career workers skill up because the, you do not want to just be going for younger workers or new workers because they have a set of skills that match the workplace and replacing your experience and the expertise that's in your space has a huge impact. It's, you lose a lot of that previous knowledge, you lose a lot of the um, expertise within the business area and industry. So one of the, for instance, one of the things that works really well at a bootcamp is we're helping people change careers, meaning that they've had a previous career. Somebody who is in finance, who comes and becomes a developer, often they end up going back and working with code in a financial space which is really helpful that they have that uh, domain knowledge. And so mid-career workers in any capacity, gaining training and gaining skills, it provides you people who are gonna stay more loyal, they're getting their growth and development, you're keeping that expertise in house, they're not necessarily suffering from, or suffering is probably not the right fair word, but what millennials deal with, which is this constant need to move around and grow. There are still people who are looking at longer term careers, And honestly, you want those people having some say in the way technology impacts and changes your business. But what you can't afford to have is mid-career workers who are afraid of that change. And I think that's why people tend to go towards new workers or younger workers is because they don't want to, they don't, they can't spend the time trying to convince somebody that there's a, that it's worth changing. And so taking new people in who are just ready for change immediately means that there's a lot faster of a of a movement, which in a company is really important because you're, if you're not doing it, your competitors might very well be. The second major problem when it comes to what we're looking for is where is the talent going to come from who has that senior level management experience if you keep bringing in new people and undermining the previous ones? You need people who have that kind of senior level experience. They're not just going to grow on trees. And so you're much, much better off. It's much more affordable to take a person that you have and help them become accustomed to technology and change than it's going to be to try to find new ones like that. Um, that, I think, is a really big aspect that people under underlook, and they don't, they don't really get why convincing someone that change is worth it is, is a lot of effort, but it's a worthwhile effort because you get to keep the people you have and help them grow, which is going to help
1: your company grow. Yeah, that's a really interesting example you used there with the with a person in finance, and you know how they went back to that role, but they were reinforced with all these new skills. And um, I, I also host some shows uh, relating to sales and marketing, and, I, and I'm sure you could translate it to those disciplines as well. Uh, the the, the yeah. point is that you just get a, a better, more in-depth knowledge of what, what's technically possible and, and how to to push the envelope, so to speak.
0: Right? I mean. Yeah, looking at the workplace right now, the way we see it, imagine taking all the people who have experience and everything like that and going, okay, remove spreadsheets and using computers from how they do their work. It, it's it's a massive tool that they use, but that's not the definition of their job. The definition of their job and what they bring to the table is their expertise and experience. So the real key is how do you get them using the best tools possible to advance your company to the best of the abilities and advance them to the best of their abilities and be able to leverage that. I think that's the, that's, that's the real conversation behind all this stuff. And so, yeah, it's, it's an adjustment for people who've never who used calculators their whole life to start using spreadsheets. And the reason that those people with calculators ended up going away was because they didn't want to learn something or because companies were too naive thinking we could just change change to a whole bunch of people who now know how to use spreadsheets and they dealt with the culture implications of that we've seen that already we've seen companies really struggle with that transformation much easier when you have people inside doing it because they also present role models for the rest of your staff to do it if more senior people can adjust and change and take that learning really seriously then it helps everybody else in the company adjust as well and creates a culture where even your most senior people are willing to kind of improve and change and work with automation, which is really important statement for what's coming up.
1: There we go. Everybody don't fear the robots embrace them. Okay. So I guess there will be some circumstances when it's necessary to, to outsource top uh, tech talents. What what works and what doesn't work when it comes to training in-house talent versus recruiting internationally, for example?
0: Um, I really think it just depends on what you need. If we're talking about pure development, um, pure development can be done in a lot of different places, as long as you have the right guidance for what you're looking for. Uh, But ultimately, again, then it becomes outside your organization and and the understanding and the ability to cure it, customize your technology becomes more challenging because you are dealing with larger communication barriers. That being said, I've seen many companies being extremely successful using Offshore development or different people. I think the whole gig economy and the remote economy is starting to build more strongly. And so, coming up with better ways of working through that is important. Um, It just means that you have to have a better system and structure for how communication goes from your product to your brand and marketing team to your development and back and forth and back and forth. And I think that's where companies tend to get very flustered or frustrated is the amount of money that you're saving on that side is excellent, but it presents a whole new host of problems where you can't, you're not, you're working in silos. It essentially silos a whole section of the business, which any great business will tell you that when things work overly in silos, it tends to eviscerate the sum, being better than the sum of all parts, right? That, that's a key element to a great business is being better than the sum of its parts and I think going offshore can be really problematic. Only in, only in the instances that it's an important aspect. You just need a web page built, or you just have one little technology tool, not a problem.
1: Okay, so let's just bring this all back in again to uh, to talk specifically to our audience, which are HR folk and, and related job titles. Uh, let's imagine that uh, you and I are getting into an elevator together. You've got about thirty seconds to espouse the virtues of Lighthouse Labs to uh, to a, to an HR person in terms of how it would help uh, improve their organization. Go.
0: Basically, Lighthouse Labs is bringing professionals into place—not professional teachers, but professional technologists and developers—to help train at whatever level we need to help train. So for your company, that could be at a corporate training level, where it's people that you actually need to train from a basic intro to coding level, or all the way up to your developers becoming more advanced. Uh, or you can look at hiring graduates from a program that has an extremely successful set of results, not just in people's getting jobs, but in people growing in them. Um, our bootcamp, that's the nice thing about having that professional background that people come in and they're committed learners, meaning when they leave a program like this, they're constantly aggressively trying to learn, which is what you want to see in a company and is a good outcome for everybody. Um, Or you can have people that you're looking at just sending outside for professional development, in which case our intro courses and things like that are amazingly helpful for people to gain their first set of skills. You can even look on our website for a free learn to code resources where you can actually just pick up some really easy things if this is a passive learning experience. One way or the other, Lighthouse is helping companies and their HR groups really change the dynamics of the types of people that they have in jobs and technology jobs and non-technology jobs in terms of how they use tech in the
1: first place. And I'd just like to add, listeners, that uh, Jeremy and the team over at Lighthouse Labs have been awesome supporters of uh, the Innovate Work series that uh, the HR Gazette co produces with the guys over at Work Tango. Uh, you guys offered speakers and support for our first Vancouver event. Uh, you also supported the most recent Toronto event. So, once again, Jeremy, a big thank you for that.
0: Uh, thank you so much, Bill, for putting all this together. It takes uh, unique individuals to put this kind of stuff together. And we just really appreciate being able to support it.
1: Well, that just leaves me to say for today, Jeremy, thank you very much for being a guest on the HR chat show. Thank you, Bill. And listeners, as always, until next time, happy working. Thank you for listening to the HR chat podcast brought to you by the HR Gazette.